the name of Jesus. Amen. Once upon a time, there was a great and gracious king who ruled alongside his beloved son, the prince. So full of love was this king for his son that his heart was overflowing, was so overflowing that it overflowed into the creation of a vast and wondrous kingdom. He ruled over his realm with kindness and goodness. He was unlike any king that the world has ever known, and especially in this. His deepest desire was simply to dwell with his people, to share with them the abounding love that he had for his own son. That was his deepest desire. He wanted them to have life and to have it to the full, which meant to be his own and to live under him in his kingdom and to serve him forever. Because the king knew something that his people did not know, or at least that they did not fully appreciate, which was this, that to live in fellowship with him meant harmony and peace. It meant shalom. But to live apart from him, to live apart from him couldn't help but mean an awful curse would overtake them, uh, like a parasite that would suck the very soul right out of them. And so the king had one condition for his people, just one condition. He said to them, don't ever leave the boundaries of my kingdom. Trust me. Well, one day, an enemy invaded the king's territory, and he was a slick and slithery fellow. You can picture him. He's part telemarketer and part televangelist. <laughs> he hated the king, and he wanted nothing more than to steal and to kill and to destroy. Oh, he spoke soft words, but he sold a bill of goods. He said to the king's people, are you sure that your king is so good? Are you certain that you can trust him? Why is it that he won't let you go outside the bounds of his kingdom? What is it he's up to? Maybe he's holding out on you. And he continued in this vein. Now, at first, the king, king's servants recognized these claims for the folly that they were. But then they made a grave mistake. They didn't quit listening. They kept allowing his slithery words to make their way into their ears. And as the enemy kept questioning and querying, poking and prodding, his words started to make a certain kind of sense. You could talk yourself into it. And so the king's servants did. They said, yeah. Why did the king keep us from leaving his kingdom? What is outside of his bounds? What's out there after all? Why is he holding out on us? Are we sure that he's so good? Maybe we should listen to the enemy after all. Maybe he knows what he's talking about. Maybe this guy tells us where true life can be found. Better to follow me. It's just over the hill, just outside the bounds of his kingdom. So he said, and so the king's servants did the unthinkable. They lost trust and broke faith with their king. They followed the enemy outside the bounds of the kingdom. And when they did, what did they find? 
They did not find the fullness of life that that man had promised. But instead, they discovered for themselves that awful curse about which the king had warned. Immediately, they fell into a deep, dark trance that they could not awaken from and that they would not awaken from. Immediately, they became the unwitting slaves of the enemy in his despicable domain. But that wasn't the worst of it. That wasn't the worst of it by a long shot. See, life under the enemy was nasty and brutish and short, and yes, they made their days in stealing and killing and destroying, but the worst of it was this. They forgot the king and his kingdom. Those bright, sunlit uplands of his glorious realm became nothing more than a long-forgotten memory, barely a blip on their brain. A fairy tale, they'd say. And so they went about living their lives, if you can call it that, as though they were aimless specks of dust that swirled around for a little while and then settled down into the ground without help and without hope. Meanwhile, the king cried out in anguish, not in anger, mind you. Where are you? Where are you, my beloved? His heart was broken. For all his people were his pleasure, and his whole pleasure was to be with them. But now what did they become? They'd become dust, laid low in the ground, and it looked for all the world like the enemy had the victory, like all was lost. But then came an unexpected turn. The king's beloved son, the prince, stepped forth. And he spoke to his father these words. My father, my father, here am I. Send me. I will bring back your people to your kingdom. And the father received those words with something that can only be called a, a kind of grateful grief. Grateful grief because on the one hand, he himself was resolved not to let his people rot under the foot of the enemy. And yet at the same time, he knew the price the prince would pay. He knew the price that he would pay. And so with tears in his eyes and heaviness in his heart, he says to him, Go and know that I will not let you see corruption or let you decay in dust. Then stepped forth the prince of all from his royal kingly hall. He began his heroic course, his heart undaunted, his hope undimmed. He set his face like flint, 
for the enemy's dread domain. And when he came to the bounds of the kingdom, he did not deny, but professed. I go about today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will finish my course. And so he entered the enemy's dread domain. And what did he see? The prince wept to see the state of the king's people as their backs were bent low with hard labor, their faces were empty, and their eyes were always looking down, searching, searching, like they were searching for the very dust to which they would be going. So he found them. It was clear that they were under the spell of the evil one and that it was a trance, unbroken. And so the prince called out for all to hear, Arise! Follow me! The king has come to save you! The king has come to save you! Arise! Follow me! Come after me! But then the prince heard a sound that pierced his ears. A sound more awful even than the awful cries that were ever present in that realm, in that dread domain. And what was the sound that he heard? It was the sound of laughter, of mocking, jeering laughter at him. <laughs> How could you be such a fool? Everyone knows that the kingdom and the king is just a myth. Why would you talk of such a thing? This is all the life that we get. That's it. The best that we can do is eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow, we go down into the dust like everybody else. So keep your head down and don't raise a word. But for all that, the prince was undeterred. Truly, they had forgotten the king and his kingdom. Truly, they had forgotten the life for which they were made. But the prince persisted. He persisted. He spoke out against the, the deceit of the enemy. He proclaimed the true life of the kingdom and of its king. And he went about straightening bent backs, opening closed eyes, lifting up drooping arms. And yet still they would not Listen, until finally, the people grew weary of the prince. And the enemy once again poked and prodded as he had before. If this really is the prince, what's he doing here? Why isn't he on his fancy throne? Enough already! And with all the ceremony of a lamb's slaughter, they killed the prince, put him down into the ground. There, they said, just one more speck of dust. But then a strange thing happened, a very strange thing, the likes of which have never been seen before, never seen again. The ground started to shake, and the dust started to swirl, and suddenly the prince rose up. 
His clothes gleamed. His eyes beamed. And straight away, he set those eyes on that imposter, the enemy, who was now himself quivering face down on the ground. And there, the prince put him out of his misery with one swift stomp in the dust. And then the prince cried out in a voice that was bold and joyful and free, Arise! Awake! And all at once, something like scales fell from the eyes of all of the king's people, and the trance lifted like a fog. And a sound was heard that pierced the last remnants of the enemy's dread domain. A sound that resounded from bound to bound of the king's kingdom. A sound that still echoes in the hearts and minds of his people still to this day. And what was that sound? It was laughter. But not a ridiculing laughter, but a rejoicing laughter. A great Big belly laugh, a joyful laugh that could be heard all the way from the king's throne. His mission accomplished. The prince once again took his seat beside his father and he promised. He promised that he would return soon to bring his kingdom in full. But until that day, ever after, each year, the king's servants would place ashen dust on their forehead. And why did they do that? To remember, to remember that once they were dust, but even more importantly, to remember that one day, very soon, the dust would be no more. Amen.